Sirius XM Patriot presents Illegal Immigration Nation, a David Webb Show special. We have a little under a million that we know of that have crossed our southern border this year alone. Join David Webb as he talks with officials and pundits at the federal and state level to analyze and search for solutions for the ongoing crisis at the border. The biggest issue we have, other than China and other than countries that are invading this country through cybersecurity and other things, is the border. And now, Illegal Immigration Nation with David Webb. Within the past few weeks, for example, the Biden administration and more specifically the Department of State and Homeland Security have expanded the Central American Miners Program, a blatant attempt to perpetuate unchecked illegal immigration and avoid the optics, the bad optics that many Americans see of an ongoing border crisis. Yet another example of what I call creating a problem that then becomes too big to fix, and then what? Policies in the Trump administration, in contrast with the Biden administration today, and my next guest, Mark Morgan, former acting CPB commissioner, who joins me now, uh, the federal agencies have been put into action by the Biden administration. But before we get to the current, uh, Mark, I want to contrast with the past policies that were effective that have been changed 180 degrees today. Yeah, David. So so first of all, thanks for having me. And and I I think you're spot on here. Let's go back to 2019 real quick at the crux of the crisis. So we remember May 2019, um, 144,000. Everybody in this entire country uh, called it a crisis. They knew it was a crisis, and we knew it because our immigration system was broke. We had loopholes that were being exploited by the cartels, human smugglers, and migrants themselves. And so as, as Congress failed, and that's both Republican and Democrat, David, you and I have talked about this, is that they failed to pass any meaningful legislation to fix those loopholes is why we were seeing this crisis. And the largest part of the crisis was due to the, the families, unaccompanied minors coming from the northern triangle countries. So look, there, there was a, a, an enormous amount of a network of policy and tools that were initiated. But let me talk to you just real quick about the top ones. Um, the, the Remain in Mexico program, that was a game changer. That ended catch and release. Number two were the asylum cooperative agreements that we have with northern triangle countries that ended foreign shopping and really got these countries involved to address this as the regional crisis it is and to step up and give people relief that had valid asylum claims. Um, and look, the, 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 the other two, I, I think, significant things were also going on is we were infusing the border with a higher degree of security. We were building the wall system. We were infusing more technology. We were getting more personnel. At the same time, we were increasing our interior enforcement operations. Everything that I just described to you hasn't just changed 180 degree. It's stopped. The, the, the Remain in Mexico uh, program, eliminated. ACAs, eliminated. 90% of ICE's interior enforcement, gone, eliminated. Not a priority. Wall stopped being built. David, you and I can spend another hour talking about additional policies that were in place. Those are the big ones. And then, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I forgot one. There's so many. Title 42, the CDC order. Day one, this administration got rid of Title 42 for teenagers, and now any day they're going to get rid of Title 42 for families. You know, when you look at the, the radical change 
and you know assessing this from not only a statistical point of view but a policy perspective as you do uh, at heritage and in your past work from a policy perspective can you can you discern a reason a reasoning behind why the biden administration whether kamala harris ever goes to the border or not is not relevant to me that's optics but policy and percent practice is there Anything you can can sort out from this that makes sense? No. So, so first, I think you and I both agree on, on, on the vice president. By the way, I, I think it's all optics. There will be no substance there. But look, I, I, I get asked this question. Look, I've been doing this for thirty five years. I served under six administrations, both Republican and Democrat. At the end of the day, and I think I know a little bit about border security. At the end of the day, what this administration is doing from a policy perspective. Uh, that impacts the, the sovereignty of our nation, that goes against uh, the, the rule of law, that the, the law enforcement agencies are unable to effectively do their statutory responsibility according to law to safeguard our nation's border and protect our national economic security. None of that makes sense from this uh, with, with respect to what they're doing from a policy perspective. And let me give you one, one quick add on that, because this is important and this is missed, is that if you have policies, and David, I love it because you really focus on the policies. If you, if you have policies that creates an a, a, a open border or an unsecured border to, to one crisis or one threat, it's not mutually exclusive. If you have unsecured borders driving one crisis, that means you have unsecured borders, uh, borders with respect to every single threat and crisis we face at our border. So it's not just about illegal immigration. The policies in place now are encouraging facilitating illegal immigration, but at the same time, it's also encouraging and facilitating criminal aliens coming across, gang members coming across, drugs coming across, increasing the ability for a, a terrorist threat coming across. It's not mutually exclusive. And so at the end of the day, the only thing that makes sense to me is they see a perceived political benefit from doing this. Either they're playing the long game and they believe in a census through people that are here illegally are going to be counted and they're going to get a bump in, in house seats, or they believe every illegal alien they, they get a pathway to citizenship they believe is going to be a democratic vote. So it's about political, the, the, the political power uh, at, at its worst. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah, there's obviously not a lot that Republicans, I would say, will or can do in the leadership in the House. The Senate is, uh, I think, as it has been in the past, barely effective when it comes to this issue. What about using the legal system and who can effectively use the legal system if not to stop, but to stall the administration, whether directly in a lawsuit against an agency or against the administration. We've seen attorney generals step up in some ways and governors in some states, but are there other avenues that you see? You know, so, so first of all, David, again, I couldn't agree more. Look, I've been saying this and I, I've, I've been very straightforward since day one. Look, you know, early in the first two years of the Trump administration, they, they had the House, the Senate and the White House. And they still failed. Congress failed American people to pass any meaningful legislation that would have addressed 85 percent of this crisis. We said before then and since then, and we continue to say it, if Congress would get together and, and, and fix credible fear to actually have there be a standard of, of criminal fear to reduce the frivolous uh, asylum claims that are initiated to fix TVPRA, where we treat um, uh, um, teenagers from contiguous countries different from others. Uh, and, and the floor settlement agreement, which really initiated catch and release, which said we can't help old families more than 20 days. 
Congress knows what they need to do. Uh, they, they've got the playbook. They just can't get across the finish line. And that's, 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 that's both on the Democrats and Republican side. Um, I, I think right now, because of that, because Congress, I agree, has failed to do it, I don't see them taking any action. Our really last line of defense are the states. That really is where we need to do. We've got, you know, Governor Ducey in Arizona that, that is stepping up with some words right now. We have Governor Abbott that's stepping up with words and actions, really taking concrete actions. It's not just about him building a wall, which I support 100%, which will be a game changer in Texas and for the country, but it's also substantively, right? So he, he passed the state of emergency, which now gives him the ability to take a lower-level misdemeanor, bump it up to a Class A misdemeanor, which he can now apply consequences and, and put people in jail for, you know, up to 180 days. And that also precipitated other governors like Governor DeSantis now from outside uh, the, the board state to, to now come in and assist. And I believe Nebraska is jumping on now. And so that's really what we need to do, not only substantive actions, but then we also need AGs as well to continue to do what AG Paxson said and sue the federal government. And they, they, they are, they're continuing to do, and I think there's multiple fronts they can do. Let's uh, go inside CPB for a moment, and I feel for these men and women. I've known a number yes. over the years. Certainly, you've known many more, and uh, you've led this agency. Uh, they have to do this on a daily basis. I, I know many of them that I've spoken to said they don't want to be babysitters. That's not their job. Uh, is there anything within the agency that age that they can do i mean they're putting their lives out there in some cases they don't know who they're going up against in a border and interdiction situation is there anything they can do within the agency uh to help the situation or are they just simply bound by the orders from above so first of all thanks for what you do because i i do know you i know that you care about the men and women. Um, I know that you've talked to countless uh, men and women that are on the front lines of our nation's border, uh, protecting this country and sacrificing a lot. So first of all, thank you for that. Um, look, they, they, they do uh, what they always do. Uh, even though this administration uh, that they know is lying to the American people, this administration is lying to them uh, when, when um, individuals like Secretary Mayorkas, who is the chief architect behind the open border policies, continues to lie to the American people and the CBP workforce to say our borders are are closed and our borders are secure. Uh, he knows it's a lie. We know it's a lie. And, uh, and the men and women of CBP know it's a lie. But this is what they're doing. Uh, yeah, their, their morale is low. Uh, they know what's happening. Uh, they know that, that their borders are being single-handedly dismantled more and more every single day because of this administration. But here's, here's what they keep doing. They keep every single day. They get up. They put that badge on their chest. They're going to the front line of our nation's borders, and they continue to do everything they can to stop bad things and bad people from coming into this country. They're still making arrests this year. I'll give you an example. Almost 7,500 arrests of criminal illegal aliens. This year alone, they've already conducted over 6,000 rescues. Uh, people trying to illegally enter this country, some people run and fighting them, doing everything they can to avoid apprehension, and then they find themselves succumb to the Rio Grande River, and border agents are still risking their lives saving them. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what they're doing every single day, uh, and I couldn't be more proud of them. Going forward, and certainly, you know, it, it's my observation that unless there is a change combined with action in 2022 in the House, uh, and I'm skeptical of the Republicans acting as they should in 2022, should they take control. But going forward, uh, it takes certain steps to put others in play, uh, not just what the states are doing. Is there 
for the American people, for the Patriot audience listening, what do you think needs to be done, maybe first, second, and third, if you put it that way? Yeah. So, so first is, we, although 2022 matters, David, we can't wait for that, right? We can't put all our eggs in that basket. If we wait till 2022, um, you know, look, in the first five and a half months, already too much damage has been done. So, so if I could get across anything to the people listening right now, you need to take action now. So the first thing, and I know when I say this, a lot of people roll their eyes, but, but I'm going to keep saying it. You've got to get to your state legislators. You've got to make sure that they know how you feel. You've got to get to your AGs. You've got to get to your governors. You've got to force the hand of your states to get involved. You also have to let them know that the congressional members on the Hill, that they cannot, they cannot pass any more appropriations where they're going to give this administration, specifically DHS, more funding to just get better at their open border policies, to get better, right, at, at, at and more efficient at releasing people as fast as they possibly can. And then the last thing I would say is then 2020, uh, 2022 does matter, and they need to get there, they need to vote, and they need to vote with what is in the best interest of this country. Mark Morgan, former acting CPB commissioner and visiting fellow in the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at Heritage Foundation. Mark, thank you as always. David, anytime. Thank you for what you're doing. If, if there weren't folks like you out there, you know, uh, giving folks like me the platform to get the truth and reality out there, um, you know, the, the, the mainstream media, the extension of the Democratic Party is all American citizens were, would hear. So thanks for what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, let's go right to the phones. 866-95-PATRIOT. Luke, California. Go ahead, Luke. Hey, David. Hi there. Hey. Um, yeah, you know, I heard Mark loud and clear there about getting involved on the local level. You know, it's it's, it's good to hear that reinforce it. Sometimes you got to hear thing, hear, hear something a few times. Um, but I'll tell you something. You know, God bless Mr. Babbitt back there. But, you know, I, I, I fought harder cleaning my kitchen after Thanksgiving thanksgiving dinner then it sounds like he's willing to fight you know i'm sure he's a good guy and whatever but you know i'll go so far to say is instead of doing this interview you know and talking about what the heck you're gonna do he should be out there doing something you know that's what it sounds like to me it's always i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that we gotta do this well what are you doing right now are you getting ready to go to your conference and you guys are going to have a steak and lobster lunch i mean what is going on are you afraid of nancy pelosi I mean, what the heck? I mean, it's is it. Well, I'll, I'll say here? I'll say this, Luke, and I've asked him, among other there are a few other congressmen I've asked to take the question to leadership. And I know he's asked the question of leadership, Kevin McCarthy and others. Why are we not pushing forward from a legal standpoint with with action against the administration? I'll give him credit for that. I'm with you. And I and I think it's fair to say I don't expect anything out of the Republicans, even if they take control of the House in 2022. We already see the Chamber of Commerce, uh, the amnesty wing of the right, if you will. We see uh, the Koch brothers network, a number of uh, partners in that network pushing for amnesty through the DACA program and other programs that would expand even more the unaccompanied minors problem. I mean, it would make it an even bigger problem. So, you know, I I don't expect anything out of them. Back to Mark, as you said, we've got to go local. The states have to, the states have to up their game. 
Yeah, I mean, we need fighters, David. We need fight. You know, I'd rather have a blue collar guy that's not necessarily an intellectual that, that will fight. You know, I mean, you know, the, the, Mr. Babbitt even went so far as to say we can't get our message out because the Democrats control the media. Think about how you can get your message out. You know, I don't care if you get together as a group with security protection or something. Do something. Fly planes around with freaking, I don't know. Think, think of how you can, not how you can't. You know what I mean? We need some yeah. people. No, I hear fight. you. Look, right, right here, millions of people are hearing their message. Start, you know, approach. We approach them. They need to get out on radio. They need to get out. They don't control everything. They don't control all of social media. And just because someone is fighting you hard doesn't mean you stop fighting. Uh, but these congressmen and senators and the political structure, they're ineffective. They're even for those that have their hearts or their actions in the right place. It's ineffective, and ineffective is a loss. Luke, thanks for the call. 866-95-PATRIOT-95728. Seven former former acting uh, deputy chief of staff at DHS, Laura Reese, also with Heritage Foundation. Next, 